We're in the book of James. It's a good book. I love it. I love it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you today. and Father, we thank you for this day that you've made. Every day that we are able to experience life is a gift from you. You have breathed life into us, Lord, and, and we give you all the glory and honor for that, Father. And we understand and know that every day that uh, we live, we have decisions to make. And we're going to face all kinds of different uh, testings and trials. And the, the teaching we're going to be learning about today is, uh, is about those things. You know, Lord, so many times people want to blame you when bad things happen in their lives. Bad things happen in this world, and well, what, did, what did we do to anger God? Why did God allow this to happen? And on the other side of the coin, I've heard back when I was a little younger, there used to be a thing that said, the devil made me do it. But the scriptures in James tell us that these things happen and these temptations come because of the evil desires within us. So, Lord, I just pray that as we learn and, and, and read your word today, that, Father, we would examine ourselves. As David said, examine my heart, O Lord. And if there's any wrong way in me, Father, remove it so that I might return to the joy of your salvation. So, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on us today as we learn. And, uh, and Father, it's a kind of a, been kind of a sobering teaching for me as well. Uh, you know, we don't like to think that we have evil desires in us. Amen. But we're going to find out maybe there is. We are human, after all. We have things in our lives that happen. So, Father, we just, we just ask that through this teaching today that that we would draw closer to you. Scriptures also tell us in James later on that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. So, Father, I just ask that the, as we draw near to you this morning, that you would draw near to us. Father, we ask that you be glorified. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All righty. Well, today I've been charged with uh, doing the teaching out of James, and it's, we're going to start... Nathaniel ended up last Sunday, last week, on uh, one of the scripture verses you've heard me use several times in here, and it comes out of James 1.12, and it says, Blessed is he who perseveres under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of righteousness that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen? That's a pretty, pretty good promise right there. If we'll just persevere and stand up under these testings and trials that we have, then, then, then we're going to receive that crown of life that God has promised us. And, uh, and where I'm supposed to start is verse 13, and it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And we'll just stop right there. That's a lot of ground to cover right there, isn't it? We see this 
in, in uh, James chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to, hit to those who love him. Okay? And then the next verse, it says, When tempted. So we see that there's the man who perseveres under trial, when he stood the test. But in the next verse, it says, you know, but when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So did James just all of a sudden just switch directions here and change the subject? No, he didn't. What we're seeing here is, is the word for trial and temptation in the Greek is the same. It's pyrosmos. And it's like they go hand in hand. God is tempting me. I'm under trial. Well, if you're under trial, you're probably facing temptations, right? And if you're facing temptations, it's probably because you're under some sort of a trial. It's like the two sides of the same coin. One of the, the words, uh, parosmos, is, a, is, a, is in the noun form, and the other one is in the, the verb form. One of them is a place thing or person th part of it, or the other one's an action part of it, right? So we see that the, the trial would probably be the noun part, and the tempting, the temptation would be the, the action part. When we're going through something, there's an action going on. So we see that that's taking place, and, and you can look in different translations of this of, of God's word in the book of James, and it uses those two inter, interchangeably. Um, I think I wrote it down here. Let's see, in the New Living Translation, it says that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised them, okay? In the, the New Revised Standard Version, it says this, Blessed is anyone who stands under temptation, such a one has stood the test. So we see, even in the different translations of, of God's word, that those, those two testing and trials are used interchangeably in these, in these forms. You know, and, and a lot of times in our own personal lives, in my own personal life, if I'm going through trials, that's when I get tempted the most, right? That's when I get tempted the most. I remember one time and I wasn't even, I was running away from God and I was a young man and through my own choices, we, we grew up really, really poor. We didn't have a whole lot of money and I was working, I think up around Brazil, Indiana and I had to drive up there every morning. It was like an hour and 20 minutes up there, an hour and 20 minutes back. And I remembered, I, I think it was just God, I, looking back on it, I know it had to be God. It was long before, I think it was even before Nicholas, my, brother, my son who was killed in the car wreck was born. But I remember driving up through there one day and on the radio it talked about a fatality car crash that had happened on that road just south of Clay City and I could see the wreck site every morning when I went up through there. And uh, it gave the name of the person who died in the crash and it also gave the name of the person who was injured in the crash. And you know, it, the names kind of stuck with me a little bit, but not really, you know, have you ever had that happen? You remember vaguely that name. Well, as I was driving up and through there, and I saw that wreck site every day, and, and there used to be a little gun shop that I'd like to stop in in Clay City, and one day I stopped in this gun shop and said hi to my friends and see what they had on the shelves, and I didn't have any money to buy anything, but I'd like to stop and look, you know. And as I was walking out, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to get me a drink. It was in the middle of summer, and 50 cents for a can of Coke back then, <laughs> and they had an old pot machine out there, so I stuck my, my two quarters in the machine to get my drink, and I looked up, and on top of the Right on the ledge of the Coke machine was a was a, a wallet, 
And I thought, well, somebody's left their wallet up there. Well, I grabbed it up, and first thing I did was look inside of it. And there was a lot of money in there for that time. It was like $175. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. Man, I sure could use that money. And then I got to looking, and I saw a driver's license. And I saw a face with that, that name. And that name sounded really familiar to me, and I could not figure out why. So I went back in there, and, you know, I thought, you know how the devil jumps up on your shoulder and says, hey, you know what, you could really use this money. you got bills to pay. But something kept bringing me to that face and that name. So I went back into the gun shop, and I asked my friend, I said, you know this guy? He said, yeah, he was just in here last week. He sold me a couple of guns because he needed the cash. Imagine the money that it was in that billfold was the guns that he sold because he needed the cash, just like I needed the cash, you know. I said, well, can you, you know where he lives at, or you got a phone number for him? He said, yeah, let me call him. And I said, go ahead, call him. So he did. And uh, he handed me the phone and said, the guy wants to talk to you here. And I said, are you so-and-so? And he said, yeah. I said, did you leave a wallet? He said, you found my wallet? Oh, thank God. Where did you find it at? Because he had no idea he, where he left it at. I said, well, it was on top of the Coke machine here at the gun shop. Oh, my word. He said, you don't know how happy this makes me. Does it still have the money in it, he asked. And I said, yeah, it's a, apparently it's all here. I don't know how much was in it, but he said it was $175. I just sold a couple of guns to them and I had it in the billfold he says are you going to be there for a little bit and I said yeah I'm going to wait for you if you'll come and get it and he did he came and he got out of the car and he wasn't even driving somebody else was driving him and when he got out of the car he had this brace thing on him and he got out with, a, with crutches and he was one of those men that was in that car wreck where he, he lost, that boy had lost his life and he was he was going to be injured for life. He was, temp he, was he was disabled for life. And he was no longer going to be able to work. And that's why he was selling those guns, to be able to sustain himself for a little while before he could get on disability. And he took that billfold and his hand was shaking because it was, he so desperately needed that money, you know. And he looked at me and he says, I want to thank you for, for saving my life because this was all the money I had in the world so that I could get on disability. And he reached into it and he wanted to give me some money. <laughs> and I kind of looked at it. I thought, boy, I could use that. And then I said, no. And I said, sir, if I wanted your money, I could have had it all. And as I walked out of there, I had a feeling of something good in me for the first time in a long time because I wasn't very good back in those days. But I, I feel like that that was a test that God has put me through to see how far I'd fallen. You know, and I, I, I remember that. But those things stuck with me, you know. And, and these things that we go through in our lives, I think a lot of times we know that God sanctifies us, amen? Everything that we go through in this life is meant to do one thing, and that's to bring us closer to God into a deeper relationship with him. And even though I was running from God at that point, I believe that was one of those things that God was using in my life to see if there was still some goodness in me. 
And I really surprised myself, to be honest with you. Because I wasn't very good at all. But it felt so good to be able to give that man back something that he had lost. 20 years later, God gave me something back that I would lost. He gave me my salvation and he restored me as a child of his own. So we see that we face these trials and these temptations and we know that in Romans chapter 8 verses 28 says that God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say that everything that, that goes into our lives is going to be good, does it? We're going to face trials and we're going to face temptations and we're going to have temptations probably because we're going through trials. You know, sometimes me and my wife, we'll have a disagreement, you know, and it's not that we're arguing, it's just that I'm trying to perceive to her why I'm right. You ever heard that old saying? I think it was written, one of those comedians one time says, uh, it says, you have the right to remain silent, but you just don't have the ability. <laughs> I kind of resemble that remark sometimes. Sometimes I'm tempted to say something, but I know that it's not going to bring forth the fruit that God wants to bring forth out of my life. So I, I question that. You get, men, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. All right. I'll leave it there. But you know what? It is so true that we will go through these things in this life. And Satan brings them on, a lot of this stuff. You know, it says that uh, if we look in verse 13, it says, When tempted, we shouldn't say that God is tempting us because God doesn't tempt anyone. Uh, he's not tempted by evil himself, and he's not evil. And he doesn't tempt anyone. But it says that each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Dragged away and enticed. You know, in the next chapter, we're going to see that we should be, or, well, I guess it's in First Peter's second chapter. It says that we should be alert and self-controlled because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, that picture in my mind when I see a, a crouching lion waiting in the, in the bushes, waiting for some unsuspecting soul to come down a trail so they can pounce out there and grab him by the neck and drag him into the bush where they can be devoured. Well, it says that, you know, we can be enticed and drug away. I also see kind of a, an illustration about fishing right there, don't you? The bait. J J Satan is, is the fisherman, okay? He knows what trips or triggers. He knows what evil desires lurk within us. He's the one who brings temptation. He's the one that wants to see us separated from God. And how does he do that? First of all, he loves to isolate us, doesn't he? He wants to isolate us, get us alone, and in our own outside of God is when we can really, he can, you know, just like Eve in the garden, right? Eve was there by herself, and then Satan comes in up and he said, did God really say that you'd die if you ate of this fruit? He entices us because of our own desires. Eve wanted to be as knowledgeable. He, she, Satan told her, you'd be just like God. It's not a bad thing to be like God, is it? But that's the enticement that he used. And he dangles little pieces of bait in front of us, just like that wallet up on that, on that Coke machine to me. 
I could have used that money, right? He entices us. And if we don't take the bait, he'll go somewhere else. That's what it says. Resist the devil and he'll flee from us, right? He's not going to spend a whole lot of time on somebody that's going to say, no, Satan, get behind me. But if we'll dwell on that, that evil desire and that thought and we are tempted and we put that thing, we sit there and we dwell on it and we dwell on it and the first thing you know, guess what? We're going to put it into action, right? That's why Romans chapter 12 tells us that we need to no longer conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The battle here is here. The battle begins right here in the thought. Every sin begins with a thought. And then when we dwell on that thought, how does the scripture put it? After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We entertain that thought. We dwell on it when we act on it. When we act on it, it becomes sin. And it's like a snowball rolling downhill. The very case in point on that is somebody who's being offered methamphetamine for the first time. They're at a crossroads in their lives, right? Well, I don't know. Well, come on, everybody's doing it. Won't hurt this one time, right? Until that one time comes. And that one time is not enough. Then you need it again and again. And the next thing you know, that, that hit you took last week wasn't quite getting you that high that you had the week before. So you've got to go a little more. You've got to go a little more. You've got to go a little more. Until you're in full-blown addiction. And when you're in full-blown addiction, if, if God or somebody who loves you don't intervene, you're either going to end up two places, prison or the grave. Sin, when it's full grown, leads to death. Don't ask me or Brian or many of the other guys that's worked in recovery in here how we know. Because that's one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever experienced was working with somebody, pouring your heart and your life and your time and your soul into them. And they get out of jail. They experience freedom for a few days, and the enemy and their old friends come back around and say, oh, man, come on, I got a hit for you. And then they're right back to where they were before they even started their recovery. And in one instance, three days later, the boy was laying dead in an alley because he was so paranoid that the police were after him that he choked on his own bag of dope and fixated himself. You want to talk about a hard way to die? I can't think of much more terrible than that. But it's the evil desires in us that cause us to be tempted when we're in the trials. So we can
can resist those things because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we can stand up and we can stay strong and we can turn our eyes to Jesus and say, no, that's not me. I don't want to live like that. I want to, to love my Lord and I want to be obedient to his, his will for my life. Understand what's going on. That it isn't God who's tempting you. It isn't God who's tempting you. Satan knows your weaknesses, and he's the one that's dangling the bait. Verse 16 says, do not be deceived, my brothers. Do not be deceived. God is good. God is good all the time, amen? Even when we're going through hard times, God is still good. He's still God, and he's still good. Not everything that happens to us is because of God. Sometimes it's because of our own stupidity, right? I testify. <laughs> I'm an idiot. God knows it. And he loves me anyway. Isn't that a great thing? Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Let's read that again. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. You know what? I look around this room, and I see a whole bunch of good and perfect gifts in the arms of their mamas and their daddies right now. Man, what a blessing. We just had a new little baby come into. To our family, faith family this week, Willa, what's the last middle name? Willa Kate Helms. Just a beautiful one. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life to that little child. Maybe, may you be glorified and blessed in her life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It says, these gifts come down from heaven above. And it, and it coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Okay. God has called us his children, amen? He's our heavenly father. He's, he's maker of heaven and the earth, and he res resides in heaven, right? He is above all of us, and he is the father of light. We're called to be children of light, right? No darkness in us. Darkness, James, is, is what he's portraying here is, is good is light, evil is darkness. And it's been through that way through the whole Bible, right? The prince of darkness, Satan. The Father of lights, the Lord God. He is good, and he's, he's heavenly. He's, he's uh, things above, not from things below. And he gives us these good and perfect gifts. And he doesn't change. He's always the same today, yesterday, and forever. Amen? He does not change. He does not break his promises. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should act and not or, or speak and not act. He always fulfills his promises. He never, there's not one promise that he hasn't kept. He doesn't shift like the shifting sands. This says the, the, the shifting shadows because shadows are darkness, right? They come for that. But somebody who was it, was it Jenna? Jenna, I think last couple of weeks ago, she talked about holding a match up and it, it doesn't produce a shadow. Light doesn't produce shadows. I love that illustration. There's no darkness in God at all. He is, he is perfectly 
God without sin. His son came that we might have life through him. And that's what it says in the verse 18. It says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of a first fruit of all he's created. He chose to give us birth through the word. Who's the word? 1 John 1.1, 1, 1. somebody quote it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. There again, the word truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't get there any other way except through Jesus. And it says that, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he has created. And you have to understand the context and the times that he's writing in. He's writing to the first century, first generation Christians. They were the first fruits. They had laid down their lives under tremendous trials. They were being persecuted and killed for their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And he's saying that if they persevere under these trials and stuff that way, that they're going to be the first fruits of all that God has created. They're the first ones who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And we, the Jewish people that were listening to this and reading this would understand and know that, that the, you know, the first fruits were the, the offering that was given to God, the first fruits of the harvest, that, that God would bless the incoming harvest, the, the remaining harvest that was going to come. You know, and I think through that first century church and those early Christians in the book of Acts, they were the first fruits of our faith. And because of what they endured and the persecutions that they suffered, we now have been blessed to be added to that number, to be chosen by God, to be sanctified and saved. Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. But there were so many people. Think of the ones in your lifestyle, your lifetime, those old saints who have prayed for you, prayed over you, prayed for you, mentored you, taught you. You're kind of a first fruits for them too, aren't you? Those people that poured into our lives and shared their faith with us that we might know Jesus and we might enter into his kingdom and be counted as a child of God. You ever think about that? I'm so thankful for those who never gave up on me. Vera Wagler, that, that lovely woman, little old woman, Jeff, <laughs> the assembly of God and even when I was out running away from God and far off, didn't matter wherever she saw me, here she come. It would be in Walmart, J.C. store. I don't care where it would. I might be with my friends. She'd come up and she'd roll her up and throw her arms around me, give me a hug and kiss me on the cheek. She said, Brad, Randy, one of these days you're going to do great things for God. I'm praying for you and I love you. She believed it when I couldn't believe it for myself. hope I don't disappoint you. But none of this could have happened if it hadn't have been 
for Jesus. These people that James is writing to were facing enormous persecution, even death. But it wasn't nothing new to Jesus, was it? He became human form that he might experience every temptation that we did. He'd been in the desert for 40 days, probably just weakened so much, isolated from anybody. That's when Satan smelled blood, right? He came and he tempted him. First to turn those stones into bread because he was going to tempt him with the physical need, right? Jesus responded bad, back to him that man does not live by bread alone, amen. And then he tempted him with power and possessions. And again with pride. Those are the three areas that Satan likes to tempt us with. Physical needs, uh, possessions or, or power, and our pride. Jesus withstood all those temptations and he was fully human and if his spirit is living within you today guess what you too can overcome by the blood of Jesus we have power today to do those things but it's only through his life his death and his resurrection and the faith that we have in him that we can be overcomers too so as we prepare for our communion today, let's just ask God to examine our own hearts. Okay, God, is there anything in me that when I'm going through these trials and I see these temptations come, Father, show me what you need me to work on and what you want me to rid myself of in this life. I want to persevere under those trials, Lord. I want to stand the test and I want to be found on the right side of holiness and father being a true child of God because we know Lord that that we can live for you for 20 years and we can mess it up with one 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 action one one thing so, Lord, we, we don't want to, to do anything, Father, that brings a bad light on you. Father, we want to glorify you. So, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us today. As we think about the sacrifice you made, we understand and know, Father, that before you ever started into your ministry, you stood that trial and that temptation, and you, you withstood give us a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says that, that uh, no temptation has seized us except that which is common to man. But then it says this, that you God are faithful and you won't let us be tested beyond our strength and you will also provide a way out. So Lord we just we cling to that Father that when we are going through these things that Father we know that you we, everybody goes through it. You are faithful and you won't let us be tempted and tested before beyond our own strength. Lord, I pray that we can.
stand fast when we are tested and we are, when we do face temptations. We thank you for your blood and your and your body that you sacrificed for us, Jesus. I pray.